Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Munt from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is a podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. It's really, really not that good. Episode number 116 of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast, coming to you right here from the Buckatorium Studio at 1600 Buckslayer Place. We are in lovely Sherard, Illinois. <laughs> Man, I, I, I fumbled through that one, but I'm super happy to got through it. I'm Steve in the studio, Kurt and Eric. Hello. What's up, fellas? Nothing's up with you guys? All right, <laughs> cool. All I right, just wanted, yeah, just leave me hanging. All I right. I wanted yeah, to yeah. make you feel even more awkward than you already did. Because oh, it's no. your birthday. It is it my is birthday. birthday. Happy uh, birthday. You want yeah. us to sing to you? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we're yeah. good. Yeah. Okay, we'll right. do it later. Yeah. yeah. No, well, it's... Welcome. You get to be uh, on our podcast, Steve. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah, it's such, a, such an honor, guys, that uh, I can finally make it to 27 years of age. I'm just getting older, man. <laughs> There's just no denying it. What's next? What's next? Probably 28, and then alcoholism. At least you got All a plan. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> my five-year yeah. plan is a two-and-a-half-year plan. But, uh, <laughs> no, you know, it's uh, – I can't, I can't complain, man. This has been a pretty good year. We've got to talk to a lot of really cool people, and uh, this you, hunting season – You can been... tell we're a little off right now, and, and I'll tell you why. And uh, we made it through the first Illinois gun season. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think there's maybe a button buck left somewhere in Mercer County. Um, maybe one. Maybe one. Um, I said I hunted with my bow because uh, you could do that for, I think, the first time in Illinois. I'm not sure exactly. I want to say it's the first time ever. I think they so, just passed it this year. I uh, Like two months ago. Mm-hmm. I was one of the men, and I was out there with my bow. and With uh, your orange on? It with, felt with my so orange on. weird to hunt in blaze orange. Yeah, you know, Saturday was about 80-mile-an-hour winds, <laughs> and it was cold. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, got in it, I got in the stand real early to beat all the uh, the old uh, the gun hunters. Yep. And uh, <laughs> a little too early. It was so windy. I didn't hear any shots. I mean, I heard one, but I think everyone just kind of stayed in mm-hmm. be- because, you know, God forbid you go out and suffer a little bit. If if it doesn't come easy, why go? You know? Well, yeah, because, you know, why Why would you want to, you know, have wind blowing on you? You know, the maybe quarter mile you walk to your heated gun blind. I mean, you know, you don't want to do that. Nah, geez. Uh, why you, you don't want to suffer? You but, know, uh, get out of the warm <laughs> truck and then head to the – you got to let the blind warm up with your little my buddy heater or – it's, it's tough out there, man. Hunting's not for the weak. But uh, and then Sunday it was real calm, like almost no wind, and I about came out of my skin probably four or five times Sunday morning of just shots like going <laughs> through the timber. I'm like, they sound like they're ten feet away. Yeah, just I'm like, <laughs> well, it's always like you you always wonder because you hear one, you're like, man, that sounded pretty close, and you hear boom, one shot, and you're like, oh, okay, someone got one. Then about thirty seconds later, boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. You're like, Just, what is going on over there? <laughs> you, know, you, know what the, you know what the best part of my hunting experience was this weekend? Didn't hear a single shot. Really? I promise you, man. That I was, I was just waiting for it. It's because in someone's backyard. <laughs> yeah, well. Hey, I guess, still, I still guess what? I didn't either. Oh, shut up. I was a single one. A, I was count. a beautiful place, Eric. And it uh, What's it like over there across, oh, the, awesome. across the creek? You should see it sometime. Man, I got to get over there and... Uh, it's so much more sunnier over there and just better hunting. Yeah, I'm not doubting it after. I've just been thinking a lot like about how Illinois does their firearm season. There's a lot of people that are like, dude, shut up. You're, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but there's a lot of guys that bow hunt pretty hardcore. They're kind of like, okay, I'm kinda, I smell what you're stepping in. You know what I mean? It's There's it, a hundred ways to look at it. We talk about it a lot. But I think like wasn't there – isn't Wisconsin started the same time, right? You know, I'm not sure. I think sure. they have gun season in. Doesn't theirs just run for a week straight and it's over or something like that, though? Maybe I might be completely wrong. Yeah, Our listeners not. in Wisconsin need to send us a an email. Um, but I think theirs started the same time Illinois does. We could easily just look it up in here. Um, yeah, we could. But, but, yeah, but we're not going to. They do rifle in Wisconsin, which I don't know. I want to hear some input on some, some diehard Wisconsin bow hunters. Like, what's your opinion on once the Orange Army moves in? Is it kind of like. Oh, brother, here we go. Kind of how we are in Illinois. Not that we're against gun hunting. We're kind of just giving it a hard time. But at the same time, it's hunting's not the same after firearm season. No, it's really not. I mean, yeah, it, the deer are just uh, way more skittish. And Well, granted, a lot changes. Like, you know, the rut is winding down a that's bit. That's true, too. But it's like that hard line of gun season, boom, activity's dead. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a they've, hard... been, they've been pushed hard for, what, five days? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if if you don't have a lot of ground... Um, you're kind of at the mercy of people doing deer drives, people shooting deer and deer running into other ground wounded and high pressure situations for them. And it's it just, yeah, it's a, uh, but if you have no one gun hunting your property, they probably just all flocked right to your piece. So you might be all right. Right. 
It's a yeah. It's one of the things. I mean, you know, if you got some of the unfortunate situations where uh, you know you are a bow hunter, but there's guys that gun hunt your land. I mean, there's just different things. I mean, there's situations you can't change, and it's you know you you don't really want to like we joke about it, but I I would not want to take anyone's right to hunt away. No, is no. as long as they're doing everything legal. However, you know, if I own my own property, I w- wouldn't gun hunt ever. You know, wouldn't have to. You know what's uh, will make you cringe. I have uh, gun hunters on camera doing deer drives through my ground, and uh, it's not whatever, but it's it's just kind of like. Did you just shed a tear a little bit? Yeah. Well, it's just like, God damn it! Why you got to do that? You just sit down and and hunt like you're supposed to hunt. You got you're pressuring, you're walking through, you're you're flushing them and yeah. you're blasting them out of run. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing. Yeah, you that's know, why you like, heard thirty six shots in two minutes. Exactly. Yeah, because <laughs> like, they're run, they're running thirty mile an hour and they're just lobbing lead at them. Just and who knows if they're you know, hitting them. And it's know? one of those things. It's like okay, you know, like I didn't just put all this time effort, and I don't. I sit there and you know, like for a lot of bow hunters, it's all about scent control, and I don't go into that area. You know, that's a that's a designated bear, bedding area, or like you know, don't walk down this trail or stay away from here. Or, you know, be quiet when you come in, and then you got these guys that just come in through and, you know, do that. And again, I mean, it's it's within their right to do it. However, it's like, come on, guys. I don't know. I've been there. I was a gun hunter at one time. And, Everyone I mean, starts there. You've you know, all done it. Thing but. is, I like big deer, and if, like, I didn't have vacation this year, and I, I applied for gun tags because I'm like, well, I'm going to want to hunt those prime weekends in Illinois in November. And then this change, I'm like, I don't have to take my gun. I cannot believe I went and bought Beautiful. a gun, either sex firearm tag. But, yeah, that was incredibly cool. Let so. us know. Email us. Uh, what's your opinions on if you're a hardcore bow hunter? Like, what do you do during firearm season? Can you bow hunt during firearm season in your state? Um, do you use that as your weekend off? What's your opinion? Do you agree with us? Do you disagree? Let's hear it, and we can talk about it. Um, the episode, and we are sponsored by Bow Hunting companies yeah oh we are there you go (laughs) hha sports um single pin nation uh the best single pin sites on the market backed by a lifetime warranty um that company great people great products um and you can really it would be the last site you ever have to buy for your bow oh yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. it's you know you can tell the quality of the site just like when you pull it out of the box and you put it on and i i'll tell you what man i've got no like when i was pulling up um when i was pulling my bow up when it was really windy I was trying to get it as fast as I could, but a gust hit and tink, it slapped right like the sight slapped right on the tree, and I was like, "Oh no, dude!" I, I get put, it up there. I have a sidebar on my bow, and I have my HHA optimizer sticks off really far. I have it all the way out. That thing gets hung up on oh, every. Yeah. I had it hung up on a branch today. I'm just like. You know, when you're pulling something up and it gets stuck and you're just sitting there yanking on it, you're like, <laughs> oh, what yeah. do you do in that situation? I mean, yeah, I know what you mean. If you try to let down and the bow just sits there. Oh, like, yeah, it's just stuck. Okay. You're like, okay. I went home after – there was one in particular where I went to yank it up and it got stuck. It was actually in a root. I was on a, a creek bank, and I'm like, oh, pulling. And I just yanked, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. That was my sight. And I get home to check it, and I'm like, rock solid, baby. She's mm-hmm. nuts on. And then, uh, then I shot my buck. So that worked out. I'm not yeah. lying. It worked out for me. Um, Scent Crusher. Uh, we, that's a new company we, uh, we've we been talking about lately. Awesome, awesome new products. I would say fairly new company. Um, they're all over social media doing giveaways. So it's probably worth it to follow Scent Crusher on Facebook and uh, Instagram. Uh, from the closet to the gear bag to the Ozone Go, uh, they got it covered. It's uh, 
it's really it's science. You can't really argue with it. It's it's almost like you know how the Earth is flat. You can't really argue. Yeah, there's no arguing. The Earth is clearly flat. You can't <laughs> argue that it's not. So that's. Uh, but no, but really though, Sin Crusher really is an awesome product. They work well. Um, my dad, which is the biggest, like he'll catch up on anything that he might think is a gimmick, is full blown hundred percent Sin Crusher fanboy. So <laughs> that right there, if you know my dad, would win you over. I had a couple deer downwind to me, and I, you know, a skeptic like everybody else, but I was like, all right, yeah, here we go. And you know, I had this uh, small buck coming in on Sunday, just trotting like normal, nothing, nothing. I was like, okay, well, this this is something, you know, and I I couldn't explain it, you know. I was I was waiting for him to, you know, start walking and stop, and I was like, oh, come on, come on. He kept walking past my scent cone. Nothing. Scent cone. Look at him over here. Hunt stand. Fancy. Thank you, um, thank you, Hunt Stan. Also, Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing. I had some of the apple summer sausage uh, before the podcast, as well as... Uh, did you get any breakfast sausage made with your stuff? Uh, did not. Well, it's delicious. They offer a, quite a quite a bit, like a well, pretty good variety of different stuff, from uh, breakfast sausage to brats to... Um, I'm getting some apple brats, though. Bologna, you can get, I mean, yeah. meatloaf, anything. Meatloaf, anything. Oh, um, I got the meatloaf. we got the Italian meatloafs coming. I'll give you guys an update on that. But uh, they're uh, good people, good business, and uh, clean and trustworthy. Yeah, you, know, you, you know you're getting your meat back. I bet you they're loaded right now. Do you want to know how many, I, uh, as of... Uh, do you have numbers for us? I do. I uh, asked Scott today. So far, uh, they're 75 ahead of last year. They're at 644 deer. That's including with how bad that wind was. <laughs> you know, he told he told me Saturday was pretty slow, and um, you know, obviously with the with the weather being what it was, but this was like the weekend that they were like, I you bet know, we Sunday, need that extra they, freezer. Yep, yep. They got their new expansion on, on their facility. Which, Man, that freezer is huge. You to, yeah, you could live in it. You could definitely like. I haven't even seen it yet. It's I mean, the size I, of a small apartment. Yeah, no. Picture this. Like, if you ever go into like um. If you were going to go to, like, uh, say, like, a high V or a gas station or whatever, you know, and you go to, like, their beer cooler, picture that. The but, walk-in one? Yeah, the walk-in. Picture that, but, like, two, maybe three of them. Oh, yeah, you can't believe the size of this. And I go, pretty awesome. yeah, you guys had to build this around. And he goes, yeah, basically. Like, it's just, it, it's that massive. They probably set it and then built a building around it. Yeah, it was kind of a, it, it's, it's kind of a goofy situation. It did, like, half and half. But, um, yeah, if you guys are lucky enough to shoot a deer and. You're near Viola. Take it there and see what we're talking about. All right. Well, well the episode. Well, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, and we've got to get this uh, this in here too. Um, Dark Horse. You hear us talk about Dark Horse Lodge all the time, and we absolutely uh, love what these guys are doing. It's a peaceful retreat for combat veterans. Um, if you want to check them out, at darkhorselodge.org. Uh, they could always accept donations. You know, find them on all social media. It's going to be awesome, man. Combat vets will be able to hunt, fish, uh, hang out, you know, drink some bush lattes, listen to the Working Class Bow Hunter podcast, you know, do whatever they want to do. And like I said, you want to donate to them, you can go right to their website. You can email them. Or if you're going to buy anything on Amazon, which we had somebody do that, uh, you got that guy pulled up? I'd have it. I'd have it up, uh, but I'm unprepared. We have. I, a, I'll have it up next episode for sure. Yeah, we'll have it up. Uh, thank you for doing that. He sent us a picture. He went to smile.amazon. Bought what he was going to buy anyway, and you can click to where it'll be like. Um, it's not going to cost you any more, but a portion of those proceeds will go to the Dark Horse Lodge. So uh, that's incredibly awesome that they're doing that. 
you know, you're spending a little bit and they'll give a little bit back for some, uh, for some, for those who deserve it, you know, the most. So darkhorselodge.org. So thank you for that, Steve. And, uh, I always forget, so thank you for always remembering. You're the, you're the uh, veteran shout-out guy. Yeah, and again, if you guys have any uh, have any veterans that you want us to shout-out, um, you know, whether they hunt or not, you know, you just want – we'll always shout-out any veteran that you want. Um, we just appreciate what they do, and they do it for, you know, little to no recognition, so that's awesome. So today on the episode we have Clint Casper. He was – I can't remember what number episode he did. It's been a while. Been 51 a, or something like it, that. In there somewhere. He's a uh, outdoor writer, um, very experienced hunter. Um, he's put a monster down this year, er, real early season. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to talk to him about that and kind of see what he's been up to, catch up a little bit. Um, coming up, I mean, holiday weekend, Thanksgiving's this weekend, so hopefully everyone's driving safe. Listening on your way to your uh, mother-in-law's house, wherever you may be going. Uh, good luck with that. Or your deer stand. Or I hope. Hey, if you're deer hunting all weekend, man, good for you. <laughs> you got it made. You, you I've hunted no... on Thanksgiving uh, last year. I did. Yeah, was a your year, family I, I doesn't really really care about you. you no, know? they don't. They're like, <laughs> I, I was waiting for the text. Where are you? And they're like, Yeah, we started dinner without you. So, hey, I mean, you got your priorities straight. That's right. No, I will not be with uh, my family this Thanksgiving. I will be hanging with some Canadians. Ooh, I know. Hey, ready for some? <laughs> you ready for some Molson, bud? Yeah, Happy Thanksgiving, bud. Okay, so coming <laughs> yeah, up bud. though, we got a couple of uh, we got we got some guests to get through, but we're gonna. I got some ideas planned in my head for the next upcoming episodes. If you guys want to see something done, go ahead and shoot us an email. We're rambling on right now. Let's get Clint on the phone, and we'll talk to him. And we hope you enjoy the episode. All right, on the phone with us, we've got one of the uh, most gorgeous men in the world, self-proclaimed. Clint Casper, what's going on, dude? Hey, what's going on, fellas? <laughs> oh, you know, just uh, all excited to have you on uh, on the phone. Um, got a lot of stuff to get in into with you. Uh, how, how have you been? Well, I've been busy. Busy but good. That's a good thing, you know. It keeps me out of trouble. There you go. Well, we were right. talking in between uh, before we get you on the phone. The last episode you did with us was number fifty-one. Yep, I think. That's, yep, it's been a little while. We're uh, we're that's, we're due for our episode, and it's hard to get you on with our schedules. It's been a while. We're due for one. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been uh, we've been trying to trying to get you lined up and get one on, but we finally got you. So um, let's get right into the meat and taters of it. Um, you shot an absolute slob this year. He's, I had he's a, thinking about it. I had, <laughs> I had lucky stars align. Yes. We'll talk about because you knew that deer, right? Yeah, I've had. Uh, I picked up a shed off that buck. It would have been three springs ago, and he would have been in that. I don't know, three and a half to four and a half. Then I got the left side. Had a big. Uh, uh, basically a big typical six-point side with a inline point that was, wasn't a main beam, but it kind of looked like it could have maybe eventually be a main beam. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of intrigued by that. But no pictures of this buck, no history. He just kind of appeared, dropped the shed, and that was it. Really? So, you know, it was kind of weird. I mean... I'm the type of guy, I don't get too 
you know, I mean, I love finding sheds. I mean, you know, you guys follow me on social media. I mean, I'm a shed junkie, but I don't get too carried away with sheds just because wherever the food is is where they're going to be. And I mean, with me having a bunch of farm ground that me and dad farm and own and whatnot, we always have a bunch of different bucks from miles away that winter close to where I'm at, which is, I mean, it's great for sheds, but realistically, not all those deer am I going to get to hunt next fall, and I know that, so I don't get too, you know, I don't get my hopes set too high by just finding a random buck shed, but this buck, he, he stuck around. I mean, he was there, uh, well, it would have been the summer then, the following year, where I found that shed in the spring of, uh, I've been 14, he stuck around, um, and then last year, didn't find any sheds, but in, in the 15th season, stuck around again. I actually had two bigger deer that I had on another farm I was hunting, and I kind of had my mind made up after seeing some trail cam pics of him in the summer and stuff. I knew he was going to be special, and I knew he had the potential to maybe hit that 200-inch mark or be close, and I said, okay, I'm going to roll the dice. It's on a farm that doesn't really have any pressure um, on the on the edges. Uh, a little bit of gun hunting, but no one really bow hunts it. Um, and I just thought, you know what? I'm going to roll the dice, hunt these other deer during the 2015 season, and just see if maybe this buck makes it, see what he turns into. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the rest is kind of history. I mean, I got, I got lucky. Like I said, I mean, it's, you know... I can sit here and try to pat myself on the back, but the bottom line is I, I I let a buck walk. He never got killed. He never got shot. In fact, I don't know anybody that even has a picture or sh- any sheds or any history with that buck besides myself. Right. And he made it and put on about another 30 inches. Wow. And like I said, you know, the rest is history. Uh, How that big- left side... Go ahead. Go ahead. How, how big is he, actually? I mean, I, I, you might be getting to that, but Steve's pulling up. Uh, he pulled up one of the velvet trail cam pictures and the picture of you holding it while you were while you were saying that. And it's just such a cool deer, and it's it's funny that, or and really interesting. And this is part of what amazes me about whitetails. And I, I say this a lot: is they're so mysterious. Like you're the only person that probably knew of that deer. How come no one else had any sheds or pictures? And it's not like he's your regular run-of-the-mill 10-pointer like he's unique you could pick that deer out of a lineup easy the only the only thing i can come up with is there there's some public ground nearby that is pretty much i mean you can hunt it but it's so nasty it's almost unhuntable Mm. um i think there's more i think there's more guys that rabbit hunt it honestly than deer hunt it because it's just so hard to get in and get out and if you do shoot a buck or even a doe and it runs down in some of these hollows i mean it could take you and three buddies a whole weekend to get him out of there i mean it just there's and i really think that buck spent a lot of time down in some of this public ground um i i just don't think he was ever in a killable spot for most people. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he found the farm that I was on, and he liked the cover. There's water there. There's 
I mean, I got clover, alfalfa, food plots. There's always corn, beans. I mean, he had everything he needed. And I think he honestly came there one spring and just liked it and literally just said, okay, I'm going to call this home. I like being here. I don't get messed with. And it was like perfect scenario. I mean, I, I did not hunt that farm one time in 2015 for the simple fact of number one, I didn't know if I had the willpower to let a 165 walk. <laughs> number number two, um, I, I really wanted to, to hunt these other two bucks that I had a lot of history with on a different farm, so that kind of had me entertained and occupied. And heck, I mean, actually, I didn't even kill one of them until uh, like December 22nd, I think, is when I killed my buck last year. It was one of those two. So, wow. I mean, pr- pretty much the entire season I was tied up on a different farm. But I just knew that deer with the frame he had, the body he had. I just had this feeling, if you can get one more year and get that deer to be six and a half or seven and a half, it's a toss-up, judging off his teeth, I've had... One biologist say, oh, he's seven and a half. I've had a couple of taxidermists say, no, he's six and a half. So he's somewhere in that six, seven range. But I knew if he got to that point, I thought he'd make another big jump from in the high 60s, maybe low 70s, into that 190, maybe pushing 200 mark. So, <laughs> What did he actually end up going? If you, Have you had him green scored? Yeah, he, had, he ended up at 191 and five eighths. And I actually, um, when I got to him, I mean, it it was between sheds and, I mean, one of my good friends is a taxidermist. So, I mean, I get to see a lot of deer that go 170, 180 plus. Um, I've gotten lucky and got to actually pick up some sheds that are off deer that are Boone and Crockett. So, I kind of have a pretty good idea of what they look like, but when you actually see him on the hoof and you get to actually go up to him and grab him after you shot him, I mean, it's it's honestly, when I first got to him, everyone's like, you know, what's he going to score? What's he going to score? And I'm like, honestly, I have no clue. I'm like, I I mean, it's just you're, you were, I was so blown away. I just honestly didn't even know what to think because holding sheds, or holding someone else's deer versus actually holding one of your own and you just shot, it was like there was just so much going on. I was like, you know what? I'm like, he's big. That's what I told people. They're like, what's he going to score? I'm like, I don't know, but it's going to probably be a lot. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> so I actually get a tape on him. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I really don't even care. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I, was, I really didn't care. I'm like, at that point, I just, I had no clue because he's got, you know, he's got two long main beams, and then he's got the third main beam, and then the one side's just a big giant five by side, you know, five by side, and the other one, he's got a five by side with three brow tines, uh, an extra main beam with two inline points off that, and he's got like a two inch kicker off the back. So, if you start trying to add all that up in your head on a mainframe 10, it's like, you know, I'm like, heck. I don't know where he's going to go. I'm like, you know, <laughs> so until you're actually going to tape and get him on paper, I mean, I, I was guessing, I was guessing high 80s, low 90s is, is kind of in my head what I thought yeah. he would be, you know. So, I mean, which was pretty close, but right, you know, when I first actually laid eyes on him in velvet and whatnot, I had no clue. I mean, 
actually the night he came in, when he walked in, I was like blown away to the point where I had to force myself to quit looking at him because I'm just like, man, I'm like, you know, you're going to get yourself so rattled. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like how many deer you get to see that size. So you want to look at them because you're just like, oh, my God, this is so cool. But at the same time, you're like, okay, dude, stop looking at him. Like you yeah. just, I'm, I'm like talking myself through it. But How close was he at the shot? Well, the, kind of the, kind of the way I had this set up in my head is not the way it happened, and I had a I put this food plot in a couple years ago, and it's basically a kill plot. And in my head, I had it set up to where he was going to come in downwind to this clover food plot, which was fine. It was going to be probably around uh, you know twenty five to thirty yard shot. I had thousands of pictures of him all summer doing this exact same thing. Well, one week before season, this buck totally disappeared. I mean, not a picture. So I only told two people about this, my dad and one other buddy. I mean, no, nobody knew about this buck. I mean, there was nothing on Instagram. There was nothing on. Good call. I mean, this was. <laughs> Very oh, good yeah. Call. Well, I mean, I don't. I hate to be like that, but nowadays there's so many people that if they think there's a big deer somewhere, you know, the whole greed thing comes into play, and it's like they're going to go hunt your farm whether they're allowed to or not just because there's a chance they might kill a giant. And it's like, you know, I just I hate for that kind of stuff to go on. I don't like drama with people to begin with. So it's like I just, until I got my hands on them for the most part, I pretty much keep stuff to myself, especially something that size. Yeah, so, no doubt. Don't blame you at all. So right away, you know, my dad is like, oh, my God, you know, where did he go? He disappeared. And I was like, hey, I'm like, it's the end of September. I'm like, there's corn coming off for silage. There's some beans ready to be picked. A lot of beans aren't green anymore. There's acorns dropping. There's apples dropping. you got pears dropping. I'm like. He's moved off on something different right now, but I'm like, he'll be back. He spent all spring, all summer, all early fall. I had confidence he'd be back. Well, to my knowledge, the only other person that might have seen this buck, which I'm pretty sure he did, is an older guy that lives down the road from this farm. My dad ran into this guy at a gas station. He said, my dad's name's Bill. He goes, Bill. He goes, I got to tell you, because he goes, I don't really have any friends that hunt deer, but I know you know what a big buck is. He said, I seen the biggest buck of my life, and this guy's 74. He, he's killed some pretty, he's killed a couple good ones. I mean, he's got right. a, he's got probably two or three that are 150, 160 type deer. I mean, so he knows what's, what's big and what's not. Right, right. Especially the old timers well, in the Midwest that are around farm ground their whole life and when they say, I saw a big one, you know they saw a big one. Right. Yep. Well, on the back side of his property, his son has some apple and pear trees, and they're young, but they're just starting to drop. And he told me, he said, or he told my dad, he said, this, this, this giant come up out of those apple and pear trees and... 
he fed for a while, and he went back down in. So my dad was telling me this. And I said, Dad, I said, that's extra. I said, I'm telling you, that is that buck. He's moved off about a mile away. He's got basically some sweet treats hitting the ground right now. I'm like, he'll be back. I'm like, I'm telling you, that deer, that deer will be back. But right now, he's got something better than soybeans and clover on his mind right now. But I'm like, he'll, he'll be back eventually. So opening night rolls around, and in my head, I'm thinking, you know, I mean, you've always got your hopes high. I mean, I never go hunt an area or a stand or a spot that I don't think I'm going to shoot a big one. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm going to put myself in spots where I'm expecting to see a good one, and if I don't, that's fine, but you got to have that confidence. Right. I mean, well, that's got, what motivates you to sit longer and, and, and be oh, quiet yeah. and, all the, and all that. Right. So... Right about, oh, it was, I think it was 6.50. I look over, and this buck's on his feet coming from the, I mean, absolute opposite direction, walking right down this fence row, I mean, right at me. And I know we talked about this last episode. I know, you know, we went over this before. I'm a big moon guy. I'm a, I'm a gigantic moon guy. I'm, I'm best friends with Adam Hayes, who owns the moon guy. And, and you know... Uh, uh, by the way, yeah. we're going to do it. We need to do a podcast with that guy. Yeah. Yep. Oh, hey, I'll tell you right now. We can set that up any day. Let's we do can, that. We can set that up. He, he got hooked on the moon guy um, from the late Jeff Murray. And if you guys follow Bow Hunting World, and he used to do some writing in Bow Hunter... He's the guy that started this this moon thing, and, and Adam picked it up and has just taken it to the next level. And basically, when you got a red moon where your sun's setting and your moon is actually starting to rise, right when those are almost in line, they call those red moon nights. Well, that night on our on our Ohio opener, the red moon was at like six forty five. This buck was on his feet about five till seven in a wide open food plot coming right to me. And, you know, like I said, it was so surreal because in my head, you're expecting this to happen from a different direction, number one. Number two, you hadn't seen him for 10 days or a week. So, you know, you're not getting your hopes up too high, but you're still staying confident. So when I looked up and seen him coming, it was like, you know, oh my gosh, here we go. How many, uh, just curious, how many cameras did you have out in the, in that you had on this deer? Well, I, I originally had four cameras that were within probably a couple hundred yards of this food plot. And basically what my, my thought process was on, on cameras on this farm, which pretty much is kind of how I do it on every farm, is I don't like to go in real deep in the summer ever. I don't like disturbing. A lot of times they're not bedding that far off food anyway. So I had a bunch of cameras set up on different trails and a couple different um, fence crossings that were coming to this food plot that were pretty much either on the food plot or within maybe 50 to 100 yards. 
I was getting pictures of him on all four, but there were two of them that he frequented a lot. One of them in the morning, one of them in the evening. Well, in the early season, I will not hunt mornings unless it is a slam dunk. Something is showing up on a, on a spot that I can get into without disturbing deer and out, and out bumping deer. So nine times out of ten, morning hunts are usually out for me early season. With farm ground, it's just a hard hunt. I mean, it's hard to slip in the back door and not blow a bunch of deer out. So this buck was showing up in daylight morning and evening, but I already had morning ruled out. There was just no way I could get ahead of him. But what was funny is I'm a real big uh, I'm a real big wind wind junkie. I mean I'm I marked the wind. Oh yeah. I mean and I learned from, you know, a young age that wind is everything. Mm-hmm. When I used to hunt I used to hunt. I used to hunt winds that were good for me. When I when I got to be really good friends with Dr. Adam Hayes, when I got to be really good friends with Adam, he taught me you need to hunt winds that are good for the buck you're trying to kill. If Dude, you start hunting, is, it's so funny you oh, mentioned that because we just had um, our buddy Clark on. I don't know several episodes ago, and he he mentioned the same thing, and that it. That's a very valuable tip. I want you to keep going on that too because I, I want to learn more about you, about what, how you do it. The strategy. So just keep getting into this, and then I want to go back into the kill of of the buck of of him coming in. Well, pretty much what I've learned over the years from from Adam, and I'm also pretty good friends with um, Levi Morgan, and he's another guy that's kind of the same boat. I mean. Both of them have learned that, you know, a buck will frequent an area on a certain wind. And if you can figure out what direction that buck likes to come in on, you're ahead of the game. So for the last couple of years, when I run trail cameras, if I'm hunting a certain buck, every time I have a daylight picture of that deer or a picture where he's in a killable time frame, I mark down wind direction. Now, nighttime, it's hard to go off of because it's so random. I mean, you might have a buck come in 20 times during the night that leaves for three minutes and then comes back. I mean, nighttime's hard to really go off of. But in daylight, if they're coming in on an east wind three times a week and those three nights, they're you know, it, it's an east wind all three nights, I mean, you got something going on there. That, for whatever reason, that buck likes that wind on those certain days. For the last couple of years, I would say my last three out of four bucks, I've killed either early or late season, and it has been on a wind pattern. I mean, I have figured out, okay, when the wind is out of the west, this buck likes to be here. At, you know, nine times out of ten, this buck is here in daylight. Or, you know, when the wind's out of the east, this buck likes to be here. Well, with the buck I killed this year, extra, he was a fan of north winds and east winds. And I think it had to do with where he bedded. Those winds allowed him to bed along this ravine to where no, nothing could drop in off the backside of him. And he had the wind in his face to where nothing could get down in front of him. And he could sit, check that food plot where I killed him, you know, fairly easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could, you know, so 
So what I did was I set up stands that allowed me to hunt that north and east wind. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you, because there's going to be guys that are going to say, now, how did you do that without possibly tipping him off? And you are taking a risk because, you know, a lot of guys hunt a, hunt a wind that's good for them. On that food plot, the best winds for me are out of the south and the west. Totally, totally opposite, opposite of what that buck <laughs> Absolutely. Totally opposite of what that buck like. So what I did was is I found alternate routes that had me looping way out around this farm and this food plot to come in, which I mean, you know, took more time, it took more effort, but I was able to get into these spots and hunt winds that were right for him. Now, what I will tell you is I'm not a salesman. I mean, you guys know me. I don't post a lot of stuff or, or try to sell products, but I am an Ozonics fan. I, I have, I've been using them for a couple of years. I got hooked on them from a couple of different guys. I personally don't hunt whitetails without them. This case scenario... I had a buck come, you know, the buck I killed, when he came in, he wasn't downwind to me, but the wind was carried enough towards him to where I do feel like without good scent control, without having the right clothing, without having the zonics, I would have probably been really, really cutting it close on the wind. But like I said, mm-hmm. I'm hunting the wind that's good for him, not good for me. So, I mean, you're kind of getting aggressive. You're kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of making a, a risky chess move on a buck. But, you know, if you can get away with it, chances are you're going to be right there in the thick of things. And that's kind of what happened with me is, you know, I knew on those two winds that buck was coming in there, and I said, okay, I'm going to set up trees. I had two stands, one for north, one for east. I thought, I'm going to set up two stands for for these winds, and I'm going to roll the dice. And I mean, you know, could he come in and catch a whiff of me? Absolutely. I mean, that could happen any day. But I knew my chances were the highest on those two winds, and that's kind of – where the, the the dice was rolled was I'm just going to go with it and, and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I know Adam, he's not what I'd say a super aggressive hunter. Um, he's not going to go blowing into a buck's bedding and try to get right up within 50 yards of him or anything like that. But Adam will push, you know, if he sees a buck do something two times, the third time he's going to be there. Or if he... If he knows a buck on an east wind is going to be hitting a certain area, he'll do whatever he's got to do on an east wind to get in there. And I've kind of adapted that in my own my own system. I mean, I, I'm I've I'm very uh, I've gotten very creative on finding a tree or finding a spot to hunt a buck on the wind that he likes, and sometimes. Like I said, you know, you're you're cutting it really, really close on the wind and on thermals. I mean, you know, right. thermals play a big factor into it too. But at the end of the day, if he never comes into that food plot on a south wind or a west wind like my buck was doing, I mean, if you don't have any pictures of him doing that, what are your chances really of that happening? Mm-hmm. So 
that, that's kind of how I look at it. I mean, I, I just so yeah, that's I the thing the, too. I, like I, when you talk about like hunting to where the the wind is right for the the deer. So basically, I have an opportunity to be on a new um, parcel, and so say you're looking at this map where you're going to set a stand, and there's a bunch of places you could go. It's yep. That's a, a real challenging thing, and it makes you question your decision. Like, okay, if you don't have a stand there, I want to go here. Well, if you don't have a trail camera up, you're like, well, where are the deer coming from? And like, how is the you got to like picture if you were a deer, how would you travel? What would oh, yeah. what wind would actually work for you if you were a deer? And how do I want to go in there to where it works for the deer, but it also works for me to where they're my wind's not just going straight to the deer and. And I don't know. Maybe we need we could do something with our, for a podcast with you and our buddy Clark and a couple other um, highly experienced bow hunters we talked to, and maybe we could do kind of like a roundtable thing where we could take some parcel samples and experiences have from everyone and try yep, and, and have get each one together. of you guys break it down, and we could get into some deep discussion. Yeah, I, well, I mean, you know, I I think that's all well and good, but I mean, you know, Clint, I want you to be honest with us. Do you think you would have killed that buck if it weren't for the luck of the podcast? <laughs> well, I'm going to pretty much I, I'm going to pretty much say it has to be the luck of the podcast because I have never once in my life had a hunt where okay, it's opening day. Here's the game plan. It's going to work no matter what. It's dummy proof. I mean, I just don't have luck like that. I mean, everybody always, <laughs> you know, everybody always tells me, uh, oh, if we had your luck and could kill all the stuff you've killed with your bow, blah, blah. I said, yeah, but you guys always see what's on my wall. Like, prime example, last year, I hunted 67 days in a row till I killed this <laughs> stupid buck last year. 60, I mean, like, my fiance was pregnant. Ready to strangle me every day, ready to move out, ready to set my truck on fire because all <laughs> I wanted to do was kill this freaking giant typical I was hunting or this double drop time buck I was hunting. And that was it. I mean, so, you know, I always tell people, like, hey, yeah. <laughs> I, I love mean, that, man. I love it. <laughs> well, freaking it's, awesome. I mean, you know, and. Well, Clint, let me tell you it. something. So, in the, in the intro, because Illinois opening. Uh, first firearm season just got over last weekend and we we're kind of talking about like slightly getting into the difference between like a, a gun hunter and a bow hunter this whole episode yep. right now clearly describes our difference between what we talk about as your typical gun hunter and then the bow hunter that like there's just an in-depth difference that you never get into if all you do is gun hunt you are a great right. example of that clint like you do your homework and people don't realize this too and I get. I don't kill 190s. I haven't been fortunate enough yet. Maybe the luck of the podcast will help me. But I've killed some good deer with my bow. Um, some people yep. would think are giants. Some people would be like average. For me, they're they're good, and I'm I'm climbing up that that ranking. I'm I'm getting into my. I'm wanting to get into that 160, 170 mark now. So, but it's like a lot of guys look like, man, I wish I had big deer on my property and could kill deer like that. Well, it's like, well, you also didn't. Do your homework, hang all the stands, go in and out, trail cameras, being careful. You put all this work in, spend all this money, and then you got your guys that are telling you that that are going in three days a year mm-hmm. to hunt Friday, Saturday, Sunday, first firearm season. It's almost like, well, you know, you could kill these too. 
If you put the time in. If you hunted more than three days and didn't just sit there on the edge of the cornfield and expect just everything to walk right into you. Right. Well, and I'm going to jump back on something that you just said because I think America, whether you're a gun hunter, a bow hunter, a muzzle loader, a pistol guy, America right now, and I have a problem with this, Deer hunting in America is based upon success and failure off of one thing, and I hate this. Inches. What does your buck score? And I, you know, just two days ago, I go to the grocery store. I'm going in looking for some Great Lakes Christmas ale because I'm a beer junkie. You guys all know that. I mean, <laughs> it, is, it is what it is. I run into a guy. He was in his 50s. Long story short, he shows me a picture of a 155 that he kills. Beautiful buck. I mean, a beautiful 10-point. Chocolate rack, wide, tall. I mean, beautiful. I mean, absolutely gorgeous. On a normal year, I'm going to shoot this buck for sure. No questions asked. I mean, would he be my biggest? No, but nobody in their right mind is going to let this buck walk. He's a six-and-a-half-year-old deer, gigantic body. Right. First thing out of his mouth is, well, he's not no 190 like you killed, but he's a good one. And I said, man, I said, look. <laughs> That's actually said, a good point. I, I, I did follow into well, that and said that. Uh. Well, and, you know, this is what kills me. I've got, when I started, my dad was a gun hunter. My dad's a dairy farmer. My dad's an 18-hour-a-work type of guy. He hunts a few times a year. He introduced me to hunting. I mean, he got me into it. But my dad's no bow hunter. And, I mean, if he was on the podcast, he'll flat out tell you, hey, Clint learned how to bow hunt on his own. I mean, because my dad wasn't a bow hunter. I mean, he never, he just started crossbow hunting because I've got him into it. And now that we don't milk dairy cows anymore and we just grain farm, he's got some time to actually do it because he's not married to a milking machine every morning or evening. Right. But when I started, you know, I always went off the adrenaline factor. If a buck comes in and it gets me my heart pumping and it gets me jacked up, I'm killing him. And that is what I always went off of. I never went off the inches game. That's cool, though. And, that is yeah. cool. Well, and, you know, when I was young, I started off with a recurve when I was 9 or 10. And I had a, I had a guy tell me, an older guy who's, who's uh, not, not with us anymore, but he told me, he said, Clint, he said, let me tell you something. He said, I've hunted all over the world. I've killed about all you can kill with a bow, which, I mean, literally, this dude, I think, killed 22 out of the 28 or 29 of the Grand Slam. So, I mean, this this guy pretty much had dang near done it all with a bow. Mm-hmm. He said, don't ever get caught up in the trophy game. Go off of what you think is what excites you. He goes, if you get pumped up, try to harvest that animal. He said, don't get wrapped up in the record book, the trophy book. And I'll tell you what, when I started, I mean... A 125 would walk in, and it was equivalent to the buck I killed this year. I mean, it was, oh, my God, don't look at him. 
Right, that's the biggest. Right. That's the that's the biggest deer in Ohio, and it's like I started at a level where you can build off of. I I mean I've killed some hundred. I've killed hundred inches. I killed one fifteen. I killed one twenty five. Then you build it. Then you you know, as you as you get older, you start to climb that ladder. I mean you you just yep. brought up climbing. You brought up climbing that ladder. Yep. What kills me? What kills me about guys today is. Everybody wants to say, "Well, I'm hunting a 150 or bigger. I'm not shooting." Now, 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 wait a minute. Now, time out. Let's let's rewind. You've never killed a puck with a bow, but you're telling me <laughs> you're only going to shoot a 150. Now, now, wait a minute. Now, right? It chances doesn't... are, and this is the other thing about America right now that kills me. A lot of people. They don't know what a true 150 even looks like because that's true. I have guys, I have guys all the time that'll say, "I got this 150 on my camera. Let me show you a picture." It's and a it's 120. a 120. It's a 125, <laughs> 130, and that's okay. Right. Nothing wrong with that. But my point is, I wish people would go back to shooting what makes them happy and forget the forget what Michael Waddell's shooting. Forget what Lee Lakowski's killing. Forget what you saw Clint kill on Instagram. <laughs> you killed. That you is, know, I see you, exactly what you're saying. You know, I do agree. Yeah. But, but the Kurt, no, Kurt's an enabler. Like I'll be like, you know, uh, and I had a I had a deer walk in. He was probably like a two and a half year old buck, just real tiny rack. And I remember I texted Kurt. I was like, hey man, I just had this had this real small buck come in. Kill, kill it, man. You know, and it's. Because <laughs> hey, that's just well, the thing is, is, it's like you've had horrible luck for the last few yeah. years. So I want you to get a taste of that success. But the thing is, like, right. like going into the the inches thing is uh, like this year I lost almost all. Oh, I did lose all of my hunting ground last year, and I was fortunate enough to pick up about twenty acres this year. And my goal for the season was kill a mature buck. And uh, right, right. I killed 140 inch eight this year, and uh, but I'll kill. Here's the thing about me, and I'll say it to anyone: if a buck is four and a half or older, and he's 140, I'll kill one every year, and I'll be just as oh, pleased every yeah. single year, just as happy. Yeah. But, Absolutely. But Absolutely. I kind of to strive in a little bit more of like a challenge and kind of like a personal right. record. I'm like, I you know I got an eight pointer in the 150s. You know, I would really be t- like if I don't ever kill one 160, and all I do is kill 150s for the rest of my life. You're not going to hear me complain oh, at all. But absolutely. yeah, and you you better not complain, or I'm going to drive to Illinois and freaking open up a can of Bush latte on your ass. <laughs> that's a good year. Oh, I'm going to say I'm going to drive to Illinois, pick you up, bringing you to Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> no, th- there's this there's this picture floating around online, and it's perfect too. And you know, I agree with you. It's um. Somebody put a picture up of Fred Bear, and it said, Fred Bear didn't have a problem killing small deer, so why should oh, you? Oh. You know? Yeah, but right. how many pro staffs right. was Fred Bear really on? No. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the fedora and red plaid pro staff. Well, <laughs> well but, you know, I always, go back, I always go back to this. I wish guys would climb the ladder more. I mean, that's a good, that's a good phrase that, that you use is, you're, you're climbing that ladder. And, I mean, that's what I tell people is, hey, look, I didn't pick up a bow and go from shooting a button box to a 190 overnight right. and saying, okay, yep, I know what I'm doing. I mean, I've wounded bucks. I've missed bucks. I've screwed up. I mean, I should have seven or eight giants on the wall that have gotten away from me. But 
that's going through the hard knocks um, bow hunting, and I mean, yep, the learning you know, curve. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what you know. I mean, if you think about I, it, though, too, Clint, the the excitement level how you were saying if a buck fires me up i'm shooting oh that, absolutely that kind of goes hand in hand with the ladder system because yep absolutely you know if you know say you've got four or five 130s on the wall with your bow when the 150 comes in you know you're accustomed to seeing the 130s you see them come in you observe oh man it gets your eye trained better for that yeah your eye yep. is trained different yep. like you're uh you're matured you're because you're yeah. It's the best way. You're more mature as a bow hunter. You're like you're up that ladder. You're yep. you're up on the curve somewhere um, from yep. what you were several years back. And then when you see a buck that's out of the class of what you've harvested in previous years, it, that's what really triggers that excitement, that adrenaline. That like adrenaline, you said, yep. like I'm done looking at the rack. Like here we go. And it's go. It, it's go well, time. It's go time. And that's you know, I've had a lot of people ask me. Okay, Clint, um, I shot indoors professionally for four or five years, five spot in Vegas. And I've had a lot of guys ask me, okay, you've shot in Vegas, you've shot in Kentucky at Nationals, you've shot in, you know, money shoots where 80 grand's on the line, uh, ESPN 2's running cameras behind you. What's that compare like to having a 190? And I said, I can't even fathom what that was like. I mean, my whole—I mean, my whole life, pretty much from 13 to 20, I was shooting a bow competitively with an archery coach, length bail, back tension. I mean, I haven't shot a trigger release since I was 12. <laughs> Literally, have not shot a trigger, and, 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 and I'm not bashing trigger releases. I'm just saying I have shot strictly. A back tension, hinge release, I do hunt with a thumb, but basically 99% of my shots are fired from a, a hinge release, shooting back tension. And they said, okay, you, you've had yourself mentally and physically trained for high-pressure situations. What was it like when extra walked out? And I said, I'm going to tell you right now, the adrenaline rush that I got at that moment of seeing him is I, I, I can only hope that I get something like that again because, I mean, it was, uh, it, it, it was nuts. And, and that's, but that's the biggest fear I've ever had in front of me. So that's right. where, that's where I feel going back to that climbing the ladder and going off of what your gut tells you. It kills me when I hear people say, well, I passed up probably 140 because, you know, on TV, everyone's killing 160s, or my buddy down the road killed a 155. Okay, but do you have any 140s on the wall? Well, no, I've never really killed a big one. Why in the hell, in plain words, are you letting that deer walk? You know, I mean, it's right. like... I agree. Completely get, agree. You know, you know, people almost talk themselves out of that gut feeling, and they talk themselves out of that excitement because they don't want a guy on Facebook to say, that's only a 140. And why'd you shoot him? Right. I hate that. That is that exactly it. Yep. I'll tell you what. Prime example. My, me and my fiance, our oldest, which is actually, I mean, I call him our oldest, but he's actually, he's, he's my stepson. He's five. Well, I got him shooting a crossbow. Long story short, on 
October, I think it was 25th or 26th, he shot a, a five-point, a busted-up five-point with a crossbow. I'll tell you right now, I don't know who was more nervous, me or him. I was so jacked up and so excited because <laughs> I knew, you know, we had a couple close calls, but it was so much fun hunting with someone that literally, if a deer showed up, you knew they were going to try to harvest it. And that's what was fun. It's like people just, like, they get so caught up in, in the trophy hunt and in, in the inches. And, I mean, trust me, I mean, don't get me wrong. Being in Ohio, I only have one buck tag, so I'll be the first to admit, I'm picky. I mean, you know, I didn't know that that Ohio only got one buck. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Ohio got one. You got one buck tag in Ohio. That's it. So I'm in the first movement. I'm picky, but going back to that ladder, I've climbed the ladder. My first buck was a 23 inch five point at the best, 23 inch five point, and I was so I drove around. I made my dad drive around town with that deer because. You know, that was my first buck. I mean, I you know, we were he was so pumped, I was so pumped, it's like from that point on, I've climbed the ladder and progressed myself into what it is now and I just wish people would do that. I mean oh, I, I, yeah, I for sure. I used to, I, yeah, I passed twenty five inch bucks when I was five. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean and well, you know, my thing is is, you know, you you start somewhere. I mean Mike, you know, Michael Jordan didn't grab a basketball and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to shoot this thing for an hour, and then that's going to equal me having six championship rings, ten scoring titles, defensive player of the year twice. I mean, no. And I mean, beat the goon guy, squad. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's like, you know, you got to start somewhere and work yourself into something. And I, it's like, I don't know why. Maybe it's from TV. Maybe it's from social media. I don't know. But you're right into so many people that it's it's all about the inches. You know, well, right. you know, so-and-so's not shooting a buck unless it's 160, so I'm not doing it either. But wait a minute. You've only killed four deer in your life. Right. So yeah, you got to work yeah. your way up and – it's a building process, and that's what, you know, everyone wants to all of a sudden just be good at everything, and it doesn't work that way, especially with bow hunting. you got to really put in your time, and it takes years oh. and years and years and experience and a lot of screwing up. Like you said, like, oh. they only see what's on your wall. They don't see what happened yep. in the 60-some days you, know, you were in the tree. That. Yep. I tell people all the time that come into, come into me and Danielle's house and, They'll say, hey, you know, we want to see see your trophy room. Okay. They look around that trophy room and they see 12 or 13 deer, a bear, mountain lion, elk, blah, 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 whatever. But what they don't see is the misses. Right. The couple, buck, the couple bucks I've whacked in the shoulder and never found. Uh, you know, the, the mule deer that got away. Uh, I mean, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. I mean, all you're seeing is what I have got to kill. But if you can see what I have messed up on when I was younger and just young and dumb, basically, I mean, it would blow people's minds. My wall should be doubled. I mean, instead of 12 or 13, I should have like 24 on the wall at the age of 28 because I'll be the first to admit I've messed up big time on probably seven to eight stunts, like 
you know, I mean, like stud stud deer. You know, I mean, if we're yeah. going back to the, you know, if we're going back to the inches game, I could tell you two bucks right now that would have been flirting with Boone and Crockett. One I shot over, and one I skimmed his belly. <sighs> and I, I mean, I hate to admit this, but one was only nine yards away. I mean, I, I hate to be on air and say that, but it's just I'm just being honest. I was it, 14. It's real. No, and, hey, and it, it happens. We've all been there. We've oh, all done yeah. it. I think Absolutely. I have the same story. I have I if the two biggest bucks I've ever had an opportunity at. Uh, one was like for sure Boone and Crockett, typical ten. Like uh, one of my buddies, uh, Jim Burns, knows his. He can guess a deer's inches down. He he's within two inches guaranteed. And he had this yep. buck at ten yards, and this buck pegged him in the tree stand with a bow. And he said, this buck's every bit of 180 inches as a typical. Yep. And I uh, I missed this deer when I was 17. I missed that deer. And then when I was about 14, I probably had a 165-er with uh, matching split G2s at 10 yards with my bow and could never get a shot off. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I you know, I got two just absolute stud deers that I could have on the wall, but it's just the way it goes, but in transition, shit, ha- here, shit happens. That's what Clint, I want to get to talking about um, your outdoor writing. Um, and I, I wanted to finish up the story about your buck about the kill. Maybe we can do that real fast, and we can move on to your writing. Um, yeah, because we're I want to be able to get all this in on this episode. Um, well, can we talk to the shot? Let's go straight to the shot on uh, extra, and and then uh, well, let's talk about some of your writing. He. He came in, like I said earlier, from totally opposite direction what I was expecting. So that that, that already kind of had me on edge a little bit because, you know, I just wasn't expecting that. He comes straight in to me, and he's feeding on clover, feeding on clover, feeding on clover, and he comes right to the tree in front of the tree I'm in and makes a scrape. Now, mind you, I'm I'm a type of guy where if there's a spot at 10 feet with a bunch of cover and there's a spot that's wide open at 20, I'm taking the spot at 10. This stand I killed this buck out of, I'm no more than 12 feet off the ground. So I've got what could be the biggest deer of my life about, I'm going to say, 18 to 20 feet away from me (laughs) just going to town on this scrape. Okay, so at this point, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm kissing down my leg, basically, because... (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. You know, I know what's going to happen, or what's probably going to happen, is I'm going to get to shoot at this buck. So, long story short, he goes down, he circles back around down Wendy Creek, he comes down around the, the backside of this food plot, and he gets to about 27 yards, which, I mean... Like I said, that should be about what I was thinking. The first shot, I was guessing 25 to 30 is where I thought I'd kill this buck. I draw back. I get my my Matthews Halon. I call her Haley. I get Haley the Halon all locked in. <laughs> I love it. And I shoot. I shoot a spot hog single pin, a hog father. I'm a big, big. I'm a. I'm a big single pin spot hog guy. Hey, we'll, we'll have to get you over to uh, our buddies at HHA. Let you know what a real site's like. <laughs> a real single pin. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'll tell you, I've 
I'm a fan of, of HHA for sure. They've got a great site. Um, I think them and Spawn Hog own the single pin business. They definitely do. Yeah. Definitely do, without a doubt. Yep, for sure. So I get my pin set right at 27. I, I've ranged him. I'm like, okay, here we go. He's quartering away. Big on Clover. I get drawn back. And my pin is bouncing from the ground about four foot above his back, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, Clint, you know, your date with Eva Shockey's on the line right now. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm like, if you kill this deer, chances are, like, this this is your golden ticket. I mean, Tiffany is going to be like, Lee, who? I want to go hunt with Clint in Ohio. I'm like, you got to pull yourself together. You got to make this happen. Right. So, I love it. So, you know, basically being the strong minded person that I am, I let down because I was like, I got to regroup. So, holy I, crap, you I'm let like, down? You. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I've never drawn a bow back and got locked in and been that unsure of myself. And I Whoa. don't know if it was, I don't, oh, yeah. And anyone that knows me, I mean, I owned an archery range for six years that I ran when I was in college. So, I mean, 3D and indoors, shooting high-pressure situations, that's pretty much like my forte. Here's a high-pressure situation, and I literally was crumbling. So, I, I, Swear to God, I let down and I said, okay, this buck is by himself. He has no clue you're there. You're going to refocus. I got refocused. I took a deep breath. I, I kind of got myself calmed down. I drew back, settled the pin, and I ended up smoking him. He ran about 100 yards downhill and piled up. Rage hypodermic tube blade freaking ate him up. But I'll tell you right now, if I would have not been disciplined, on, this is a part of the show where I am going to pat myself on the back because if I would not have been disciplined enough to let down and force a rush shot, I'll tell you right now, I would not be sitting here telling you about extra. I would have either wounded or missed that buck because I was not able to keep that pin where it needed to be. And I don't mean it was floating. I mean this thing was jumping up and down from the ground to above his back. I mean, there was no way I was going to be able to settle into a shot. And, I, and like I said, I, I'll admit that to anybody. I mean, I had to really calm myself down and refocus, and I'm glad I did because it ended up being the right call. But a lot of people, you know, would have maybe forced that shot because they don't want to let down. And I'm the type where I'm the opposite. If that deer gets away because I let down, Hey, I lived, he lived to hunt, you know, I lived to hunt that buck alive again another day. Right. And that's how I look at it. Man, the willpower that up, you have. That's, I'm, that's very impressive, man. It's, yeah, to let down and regroup yourself. I mean, that's, you can tell you're seasoned, you're seasoned pro at the game. Yep. Because that's really what that takes is experience. Because someone else would just well, be like, this is what I'm dealing with. I got to make a shot. Yep. Well, and, you know, I'm, I'm a realistic type of guy, and I'm the first to tell people my mistakes or tell people my trial and errors. And, and I'll tell you right now, I was not comfortable. I was not settled. I was not ready to make that shot. And I said, okay, 
this isn't happening. You are going to let down, and you're going to refocus and forget about the first drawback. You're going to draw back a second time, anchor yourself, walk through your shot sequence, and you're going to kill this buck, and then we're going to drink a lot of bush lattes later. And then you're probably... <laughs> You're probably going to have to block Tiffany and Eva's phone number because, I mean, I am engaged and whatnot. And, I mean, that's, that's what I'm going to tell a guy like Steve. I mean, I know it's his birthday. I know he's a stud out there in the Midwest. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you right now, shooting a 190 is great until the women start in. I mean, I got, <laughs> you know, I had, I had Tiffany texting me, hey, Lee, who, I want to come to Ohio, take me hunting. Well, hey, you know what, eat- Clint? Well, that's why I You're- let the 190s walk, you know? Clint, I just I I can't deal well, with that. Clint's in trouble because, you know what? I just saw that Tiffany's pregnant again. Uh-oh. So, well, Clint, you can say whatever you want. You can say whatever well, you want. <laughs> well, she tried, she tried to pull that on me. She texted my fiance and said, hey, look, you see this belly? That's from Clint. I'm just saying, you may as well move out, move me in. I'm like, Tiffany, I'm like, you know, you can't be like that. And then it's like, you can't be like that. Well, what was bad is my fiance and I, I mean, we had to go to counseling because of this. And what was even weirder about that is we we had, we had two counselors, you know, we had, we had Chris Brackett, who would every three sentences yell booyah, and then we had Cameron Haynes, who every time I talked, he would just say, keep hammering it. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, I just told you. I'm Man, like, that's I'm awesome. like, you know, you I'm guys, like, you need I a better can... HMO. <laughs> you need well, to get some... <laughs> I, I mean, I'm telling you, like, you guys don't want to shoot a 190. You don't want to kill a 190 because the, men, the mental stress. It ruins your life. Hurt. Killing big oh, deer ruins your life, I mean, man. Yeah. I mean, if, right now, Dan, you know, Danielle and I are trying to piece our lives back together, but when you got Carrie Underwood all of a sudden wanting to come balling with you, it's like, how do you, I mean, how do you turn that down? I mean, what do you, what do you do with that? Uh, that's the only negative thing I don't like about it is Chris Brackett as my counselor. I mean, other than that, 190 sounds pretty freaking awesome. Right. I mean, like I said, you know. I got him yelling booyah, and I got Cam Haynes on the other side saying... I feel like Cam Haynes would be worse because I mean, he'd actually make you work out, and I don't want to do that. Well, I yeah, I mean, that's kind of where it ended. <laughs> I mean, he told he told Danielle she needed to run seven miles and carry a rock up and down a mountain. And yeah. She said, okay, I'm done. I'm done going. It's as simple as that. Okay, Clint, let's let's merge right in. I love that story, by the way. That so. was the best story I think we've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> like our our sense of humor, exactly. Yeah, yeah right to there. a T. <laughs> let's talk about your writing because we touched on that last episode, and there's some big news going yeah. on right now, which is is really exciting. Yeah, uh, I got I got called. Um, Actually, I was talking to, uh, to to Levi Morgan, like I said, good good buddy of his, and I said, hey, man, I said, you know, I, I really want to get uh, something going with this buck. Um, you know, I, I was kind of, I mean, I've done some freelance writing and, and the podcast and, and different things, but haven't really got to crack any of the big-time magazines yet. And, um, you know... Internet stuff is cool, don't get me wrong, but I want to I want to open up a magazine and be like, okay, there's, you know, there's my print, there's my pictures, you know, okay, everybody can read my adventure, my story here in this magazine. That's kind of what I've always strived for is a, a magazine 
you know, to be able to pick me up. So Levi said, hey, he said, man, he said, you know, I just started my own column in Peterson's bow running. He said, uh, you need to give my buddy a call. He said he lives right here in Pennsylvania, not far from me. And uh, talk to him and just kind of see, you know, what you can work out. Made a phone call, got to talking, and within a day or two, we got something worked out. He said, hey, I'd, I'd like to do a full full spread on your book, uh, kind of the whole story on how it happened, all three years, what went on, um, you know, send me the pictures and whatnot. And and it just it, it ended up working out to where, you know, I'm kind of going to get my big break, my big shot to really showcase my ability as far as writing and kind of my adventures in a magazine, in print. And then just kind of see where it goes. I mean, Man, that's you know, awesome. from from all day. I mean, from from there, um, I'm hoping to kind of work work in maybe every month or every couple months as uh, doing some writing and just kind of see uh, where it goes. And you know, just to touch on that, I guess I guess the one thing about the writing that I really want people to understand is I don't write to make money, make a living, or to showcase um, really me, I do it because I want people to read my story and say, my God, I need to go out to Colorado and hunt mule deer. Or, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. I need to go to New Mexico and hunt a mountain lion. I mean, I want people to read my stuff and say, if this average guy from Ohio can go do that, why can't do it. I mean, a lot of my hunts are public ground. They're not fully guided. They're just doing a little bit of homework, looking at maps online. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody that wants to do what I'm doing right now, honestly, with a little bit of work ethic and a little bit of knowledge, you can do it. And it's like, I want people to read my stories and go, man, that sounds like that would be right up my alley. I've always wanted to do it. I just read this story. You know what, honey? Next year, I'm going to Colorado after mule deer for seven days. Or, you know what? Screw it. I've always wanted to kill a mountain lion. I'm just going to go do it. I'm, I'm just going to just go out there and see what happens. And, I mean, that's kind of – that's why I like writing is because I feel like you can really interact with people and showcase an adventure and a story, a hunt, whatever it may be. I mean, it can be a fly fishing trip for, for all I know that, that, you're, that you're right about. And it inspires somebody to be like, that's that that sounds awesome. I mean, I've mm-hmm. always wanted to do that. You know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go do it. I mean, th- this guy went and did it. I mean, you know, I'm no multimillionaire. I don't have a chemical engineering degree. He's I mean, just hey. a single millionaire. <laughs> what is that? Right. I mean, you know, I mean, well, I mean, basically, besides making a half a million dollars that I get from being on this working-class boat hunter podcast, yeah. I mean, I really don't make any money throughout the year. I mean, this is basically all I do. I That's do two a... podcasts a year. Exactly. I make my million dollars, and, you know. We pay you I pretty mean, good. I mean, he's our well, biggest tax I mean, write-off, too. The thing is, he hasn't, even I mean, wrote, he hasn't even wrote an article about us yet. Yeah, I mean, what's up with that? Yeah, come on. Well, well, here's kind of here's what I was thinking is, is, I'm hoping that, well, first I got to get all this Tiffany and Eva stuff to settle down so I can get my relationship back in line. Once yeah. that happens, then I'm going to have a little bit more free time. That's right. To what, I, what, I, what I'm thinking is, is I'm hoping I can, I can get myself in Peterson's bow hunting as kind of a, a, a regular writer. And 
I really think what you guys got going on is is going to end up being more than just more than maybe even just a podcast, but almost kind of like you know your guys' own own deal, whether it's online with doing blogs and doing stuff or. A magazine wants to, you know, showcase kind of what you guys are doing, but somewhere down the road, trust me, I'm going to be able to repay you guys back with a, hey, guess what, fellas? I got this working. You guys just sit back and let me handle this like you guys have helped me out and handled me on these podcast episodes. I got you guys. Don't you worry. I got <laughs> I got big things in store. I mean... I'm not saying I'm going to send Tiffany out to take you out on a date, Steve, but I might send you. <laughs> I love how it's always Steve. It's always Steve, yeah. yeah. Don't well, go worry the, about Kurt and Eric. Uh, the, Eric. You know, Steve is the most deserving, as I may say so myself, <laughs> as Steve. Well, I mean, and, and, and I'll, I'll tell you something else cool that I got going on. Clint uh, Stout, he's a guy from White Tail Properties. And I met him a few years ago. He had, he had some property in Carroll County in Ohio that I actually hunt. And I've shown a couple good bucks on some of the properties he's had listed. A few of them he sold, a few of them hasn't. Well, long story short, he started a company called Wilderness Tools. And actually, I think Kurt, I think yep. he had a contact with you about doing a podcast. Well, yep. We just talked to him on the phone got, a couple weeks ago. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, he's got a really cool thing going on. Um, he's got basically a company that showcases a bunch of different companies. I mean, like pack companies, boot companies, knife companies, camouflage companies. And what he's done is, is he's trying to bring hiking, hunting, fishing, bow hunting, all this stuff together. And he's kind of got a pro staff that he's asking to, to join him on. And what he's doing is he's kind of showcasing the outdoor industry as a whole, not just bow hunting, not just fly fishing, not just gun hunting, but him and his, him and his brother, Logan, they've actually come up with this. It's called it's the Raptor Claw. And what it is is, is it's actually it's a tool that has a tab lock that can accept like a meat hook, a knife, a saw, um, could be a defense tool or gun hook. But basically, it's going to be like almost a do-it-your-all type of tool that can fit in, like, a fanny pack. I mean, all the accessories included. I mean, super... I mean, it's one of those ideas where it's like, why didn't I think of that? But, hey, I mean, I'm just happy to be, like, kind of on the, on the squad with them. Right, but, right. You know, but, I think I what mean, we're going to do is... I think we're going to plan the episode... I, t- I told him... Right now we're so our schedule's so sporadic and crammed. Right. I told right. him that probably into January we're going to try and get him on an episode because um, I know he's right. going to be at Archery Trade Show. Um, yes. So you guys that are yes. going there, take a look out for that. Uh, we were yeah. hoping to actually be there at ATA, but I don't know if that's going to work out with our work schedules this year. Um, but um, going back to I want to not to like change topics. I wanted to want you to stay when you're. Uh, your uh in Peterson's bow hunting when the when your article is going to come out I would I would guess it's probably going to be a late spring early summer issue because it's mainly going to be driven towards early season um okay. a lot of uh, I'm a big early season guy and I say that mainly because 
I feel like anymore with with the doe populations in a lot of these Midwestern states, the rut is a very sporadic marathon. You've got one mile that is go, go, go gadget, run your little heart out, and the next mile it's a jog or a walk. And basically where I'm going with that is, is you know, one, one, one three-day spell, a farm's on fire, chasing everywhere, and then the next couple of days, you might not see it here. And, you know, like I know here in Ohio, everyone complains about the rut. And, oh, I've sat for seven days in a row, dark till dark, haven't seen a shooter buck. You know, hey, there are a bazillion does in every woodlot. I mean, what makes you think that buck you're hunting needs to be on his feet all hours of the day when he's got 19 girlfriends staring him in the face every night in a cornfield right over the street. I mean, right. and that's just, you know, so one touching back on, on what I was, what I was saying is, is this article is going to be driven towards early season. Um, my, my, well, extra. And then it would be probably my next biggest or my third biggest, um, have been killed early season, like in the first week. And I killed quite a few that are, are, are good, you know, four or five year old deer that are, are in the early season, mainly because of the homework I do early on. And that's kind of where the article is going to be is, uh, driven towards. It's not just that buck, but kind of, you know, my philosophy that I've learned off of multiple people, I've kind of piece things together of what this guy does, what that guy does, and kind of created my own little system. But like I said, I'm a big early season guy. I mean, I think your bucks are the most vulnerable. They haven't been hunted yet. You're hunting unpressured deer. If you can figure out moon phase, wind direction, and where a buck's bedding, I mean, you are in plain damn good shape on killing that deer early if you're disciplined enough to hunt the right winds, hunt the right days, and... Well, you know what you we know, need to do is, I think that, um, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, what we need to do is, um, before next season, before opening day, uh, we need to do an early season episode with you, and yeah. then we can get yeah. into all detail with that. Um, Clint, yeah. we're, no, run, we that. we're running out of time here. Um, I gotta say thank you for coming on again, and then what I definitely want you to do is, when that your article comes out in the magazine, I need you to sign a copy and send it to us so I can frame it and put it in the studio. Absolutely. At, be, preferably before you send it to Eva and uh, and Tiffany. Tiffany. You know, just we want to make sure we get that well, first copy. Well, I'll tell you what. You, you guys have the first copy, and, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that there could be a piece of lingerie left in my house that I might sign of one of theirs, but I'm just saying. I love it. If, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying. If my fiance ever feels like, you know, hey, you know what? Just, I'll tell you what. I'm tired of her texting you. Just invite her over and let's just get this done with. I mean, you don't know what may be left behind. It could be a bracelet. It could be a sock. It could be a bra. I don't know, but I'm gonna sign that and say, look, right here. This is Eva Shockey's head man. I'm sending it to my boys as, you know, the working class bow hunter. And you guys can frame that hanging up, do whatever you want. I mean, I think that's. <laughs> well, thank I think you for I that. I owe that. Yeah. I owe, now, now, Steve, because it's your birthday, uh-huh. I'm just, I'm just going to throw this out there. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and, and number name drop you 
right to Tiffany. I'm just going to say, hey. Okay. This guy, hey. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell him, hey, this is a Midwestern boy, porn-fed <laughs> boy. His birthday was today. You need to, you need to show him a little love. Invite him out to Iowa. Let him have one of your farms. I mean, you don't need to leave. You He's always mean, sweaty. You know he gets winded quickly. It's yeah, a, it's it, <laughs> it's a whole thing. I mean, you know, pretty soon I'm gonna need round the clock uh, nurse care, but uh, I, I've I've at least got a positive outlook half the time. So, well, Clint, thank you so much <laughs> for the entertaining episode. A lot of information, a lot of funny, a, just everything. Great episode. Yeah, I really appreciate awesome. it. Um, we, I mean, definitely, you're gonna be a repeat guest on the show. That's a guarantee. Um, well, yeah, he's got to get, he's he's gotta get paid. He's got to pay them bills. He's got to get know? paid. Yeah. So, uh, Steve, Eric, you guys want to add anything? No, uh, dude. It's it's always a pleasure following you on uh, on social media, Clint, and what, uh, even Clint, better talking to you on uh, Clint. Say your Instagram name real quick. Instagram, it's Casper Clint. Facebook, just look me up straight on Clint Casper. I I'm not gonna lie to you. I can't bring myself to do the Twitter thing. The whole tweet, I just, I, I haven't got into that world yet. I mean, don't blame it me. It might happen, but it's, I, I'm just. I, it took me a lot to get on Facebook just because not being mean, but the guy down the road that stubs his toe at work that complains. <laughs> I hate to read that, you know. So right. it's like, not trying to be mean, but it, it, it took a lot for me to get on Facebook. But I am on Facebook now. Look me up. Uh, Clint Casper, Casper Clint on Instagram, or hey, just go to your guys' pages. I mean, hey, I'm on there, so look yep. me up there. I mean, hey, right. whatever. At Working Class Bowhunter, WorkingClassBowhunter.com. Yep. So be on the um, lookout for that magazine, Peterson Bowhunting, early season. You know, we will for sure here let you know. Yeah, it'll be. Um, you'll know all about it probably for five episodes straight there yeah. once it's out. Um, hey, yeah, we're gonna name drop you. Hey, remember that time we knew that guy who, uh, and then pretty soon once he's in that magazine, he'll blow us off. We'll never hear from him again. <laughs> so, hey, that's, that's, uh, I, sh- I should know a couple months ahead of time, so I can let you guys know. And like I said, uh, we're going to, I'm just going to say it right now, I'm calling out Levi Morgan. Get your ass on the, on the podcast. Adam Hayes, I'm going to call you tomorrow and get you lined up, so. I'm just saying to everybody out there listening, we're going to have some good guys coming, like always. Working class bowhunters always got it down, always got good episodes, entertaining. Hey, it's as simple as this. If you want to drive down the road and listen to something entertaining that's worth your time, not someone complaining about who our president is or what the daggone Cleveland Cavaliers did last night or whatever. <laughs> Tune in to the working class bowhunter, and you can hear guys like me talking about beer, gear, girls, bras, whatever. And all you ladies and, and, and all your ladies out there, get Steve up. It's his birthday. I mean, send him boom <laughs> send I mean Give him a birthday shout-out. The man deserves yes. it. That's right. So, yes. So, Clint, like that's, I think that's the best closing ever. What we're going to do, I want you to stick around on the phone once, once we quit recording, but I want you to say, a go shoot your bow, and that'll be the end of the episode. Well, hey, to everybody out there listening, I got one thing to say. I want you to go shoot your bow. And that's Clint Casper signing off. We'll see you next time. <laughs>